Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. Recently, it seems like a lot of studio films have just kind of been rehashing and remaking all the old films that were popular in the 80s and 90s. We saw it a couple weeks ago with Ghostbusters, we saw it a couple years ago with Star Wars, and we're seeing it this week with The Matrix Resurrections. So join us as we discuss the new Matrix film, as well as a retrospective of other studio sequels slash reboots and to see kind of how we got here. This is the Crossroads Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Crossroads Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. I'm your other host, Rob. And we're going to be taking a look at, in general, the phenomenon of sequels that came out 20 or so years after the original or after the original franchise ended. In particular, The Matrix and kind of looking at Star Wars a little bit, maybe some other ones. There's been some ones this year, even. I think Star Wars is necessary because I, I think The Force Awakens was the first big sequel slash reboot. And that kind of paved the way for where we are now. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, the uh, the Force Awakens was obvious the second that Disney announced that they were buying LucasArts. Mm-hmm. And I was excited for a little while when that happened. And then J.J. Abrams was, uh, was uh, announced to be directing it. And all my excitement went away. I've never been a fan of his work. I'm kind of the opposite. I always kind of liked J.J., so I was excited to see where he would take Star Wars, because I never particularly cared for Star Trek, but I really liked his Star Trek movie. So I liked I, his I was, first one. Yeah, the second one... I did not like Into Darkness. Agreed. The first one is really good, but like, I he made me care about Star Trek, so I was excited to see where he would bring Star Wars. Yeah, I just I don't think that he is exceptionally good at storytelling or directing. I think he's a great producer. He's yeah. uh, he's a phenomenal producer, and that's something that I think he has in common with George Lucas in general. Yes, um, Lucas is a phenomenal producer and is even really good at getting other creatives to tell their stories. I don't think he's a very good director. I agree with that, um, and I think that has something to do with why Disney decided to basically remake the original trilogy, just make yeah. it larger largest accusation that has been levied against force awakens and we're definitely not the first to make this accusation is that it's basically a new hope all over again yes Uh, it's like beat for beat the same story um they change a little things here and there but it's largely the same thing like um ray lives on a desert planet same as luke Um, she gets roped into the rebellion they end up fighting a giant death star there's a lightsaber duel it's the same thing over and over um but i think it is a very well-made movie and i see why disney was a little afraid to try something new with star wars because the prequels got so much flack for so many years and you know if they're spending billions of dollars on lucas arts they're going to want a safe movie. And it turns out it was too safe because it made a ton of money and now every studio is just doing the same thing. Yes, and I think the biggest issue that I have with Force Awakens is that it doesn't really do anything interesting with the property. Even the new characters don't 
really make a whole lot of sense in a lot of cases. Yeah, like, um, what's his name? Kylo Ren just feels like Vader, but worse. Yes. Um, With um, some, in the extended universe, I can't remember his name, but Tricules or something, there was a, a character that was the pretending to be the, the son of the Emperor. Yes. And he had three eyes, and the actual son was super force-sensitive, but also insane. Mm-hmm. So they had all these ga- gizmos and gadgets to make the fake son into, like, a, a Jedi. I'm like, that would have been a way more interesting idea than what they went with. Just, like, a, and a crazy he, Here's the user. thing with, with Star Wars. Like, there's so much that's not in the, the movies that are told yeah. in books and comics that they could have drawn any, any amount of inspiration from. And then Disney bought it. They're like, oh, none of this is canon anymore. Everything's starting from the movies only, and we're spiraling out. But they're just rehashing those ideas anyway. So they're not even adding anything new to the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of Finn. I don't think it's well executed at all. Agreed. Um, I like Poe, but I wonder how much of that comes from Oscar Isaac, who I think is one of the best actors working right now. Agreed. Um, I think a lot of, all three of the main characters are all kind of Mary Sue's, which for those who don't know, they basically can do anything just because the writer says so. Um, But like I said, it's a very well-made movie, and that kind of leads into episode 8, which is largely a remake of Empire Strikes Back, it's just backwards. Yeah, it's, um, it's, honestly, that movie reminds me more of, like, something like, uh, Eternal, not Eternal Sunshine, um, Requiem for a Dream than anything else. Like, the, the real winner seems to be depression. Yes. I love, for, um, Last Jedi, for the, for the record, it's my, it's, it's tied for my favorite Star Wars with the original. It's in my top, it's in my top three, for sure. And, Again, they tried. Ryan Johnson tried to do something new with that, and fans absolutely hated it. So Disney went into full studio control mode for part nine and retconned most of eight and just essentially made Return of the Jedi again. Yes. And I I honestly never ended up seeing uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I knew I was just not going to like it. Don't waste your time. Um, It's, It's nonsense. Like I just think that it felt like um, corporate re- like corporate branding on the level of where they were going with the Andrew Garfield, uh, like brand management stuff. Mm-hmm. What they're doing with the Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Yeah, it, it's basically the studio. Like, how can we get the most amount of people to like this, and yeah. how much how much merch can we sell? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of interesting philosophy in Last Jedi. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I mean, my favorite thing from this past year has been. A vampire series with hardly any vampires in it until the yeah. very end. Just lots and lots of philosophy. Well, that just goes so. to show that <laughs> writing can a good script can make all the difference. Like, yeah. Last Jedi doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie it outside doesn't. of the action, yeah. and that's why I like it so much. It tries new things, and and it it Ryan Johnson was being daring. He was pushing it as far as he could go without Disney stepping it. Yes, and you know I'll be the first to admit that the action in Last Jedi is not great. There's a lot of things Johnson is good at, and directing action is not in his skill set. Agreed. Uh, I think that he manages to make the ideas so cool that it doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah, like even though the action's not shot the greatest, he has really great ideas with it. Like I personally really like the hyperspace jump through the ship, 
but a lot of people think that's dumb. Um, yeah, and There's I also that says you can't do that. So exactly, that's pretty cool. and I also really liked um, Luke fighting in the astral projection mode. I thought yes. that was really cool too. And again, a lot of people didn't like that because because Ryan Johnson. I was kind of following his production track for this. He studied uh, essentially the Sith handbook and the Jedi handbook before writing the script. So everything he put in there is in the universe and it is like factual. Really interesting. Actually, I was looking up um, because Ryan Johnson is good friends with uh, John Darnielle, the, uh, the lead singer of the mountain goats. And he wrote the song with a ridiculous name. I had to look up a name. The ultimate Jedi who wastes all the other Jedi and eats them. Eats their bones, sorry. <laughs> is it is, about um, episode eight? Yeah, and th- I mean, it came out like well before the movie came out. Okay. So um, it's really more, more of just like another Mountain Goat song. I mean, I yeah. love the Mountain Goats, but a lot of their songs are thematically very similar. Yeah. And it's just uh, a met- like using Jedi imagery as a metaphor for the same kind of things he's working through in a lot of his songs. Yeah. But uh, that's a huge digression. Um, I never saw Rise of Skywalker, so I don't know how well that went, but I imagine it's very similar to uh, Return of the Jedi in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, to an extent. It's a little more grandiose because, you know, it's it basically the sequel trilogy is the main trilogy, just bigger. But it's also way worse. I think it's my absolute least favorite Star Wars film. I would rather watch episode two than episode nine. I think episode two is almost unwatchably broken. Um, so I like it. I, I like kn- it in like. I know it's bad. Grand, yeah, but like, I, I, I don't. Know. I, I remember from the most part. I remember that last bit when they're all stuck in like the stadium. Oh, on uh, Geonosis. Yeah, and I actually yeah. like that sequence quite a bit. So I think it colors the, my opinion of the rest of the film. Yeah. Even like, though, the like, Django Fett fight scene's really cool, and the Geonosis scene's really cool, but the other two hours of that movie is yeah. garbage. Yes. So, like, I know it's a bad movie, I just kind of have nostalgia for it. Yeah, I, th- I wish that Lucas had done what he did with the other films in the original trilogy, with uh, 5 and 6, and mm-hmm. come up with ideas and then handed them off to other writers and directors who Agreed. did their thing. And I, th- I think that's what made the other two so great. If he did that, we probably wouldn't have gotten the sequel trilogy. Probably not. Or at least because, a better one. I mean, the ideas in the the prequel trilogy are not bad. Like, inverting the whole idea of bringing balance to the Force and having mm-hmm. that turn out to be a bad thing because he destroyed all the Jedi and brought the Sith to power because yep. no one was paying the fuck attention to what he was actually doing. That's yeah, a great like, idea. Like, in retrospect, it's so obvious that yeah. Palpatine is a bad dude. Yeah. And, like... Like, all the Jedi had to do was pay attention. But, like, yeah, Lucas, he's an idea man. Not yeah. a great director, but he can come up with a script. Like, he, yeah. he co-created Indiana Jones. Like, that's all you need. Yeah, he's, I mean, even, uh, like, his student film, THX 1138 or whatever it's called, like, that's yeah. really ambitious and crazy because you need to be really good at what you're doing to do that. Yes. His second feature film... The original Star Wars, I mean, the budget on that was insane, even mm-hmm. for like from now. And he was shooting in all over the world in Tunisia and going to London and mm-hmm. every. I mean, he was good at what he was doing and yeah. he got burned out doing it, unfortunately, which is why he didn't direct the other two. And I think it was actually to. Honestly, for the best. Like, yeah. Empire's the best. And that's directed by um, Ivan Kirshner? Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't really done much. 
else really right. that I know of. He doesn't really have to, honestly. Yeah, um, but he—I mean—he got better performances out of his actors. Certainly, I think the 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 remake, the reboot trilogy, is probably the best acted of all of the films. Yeah, agreed. But that's because they use big name actors like yeah. um, Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison Ford comes back, and um, well, Oscar Isaac Adam wasn't Driver. a big name at the time. I mean, he was well respected, certainly, but yeah. he was not. I mean, the superstar he is now, okay. or I hope that he is, because yeah. I think he's one of the best actors working. He's I fantastic. finally got around to seeing uh, Inside Lewin Davis recently, it, and I was it's blown fantastic. away by that. Yeah, but yeah, I liked him ever since he was in Drive in that small like B character role. And ever since then, he, he blew up. Um, Ex Machina, he's fantastic oh, yeah. in. And he's built like a truck in that movie, yes. too. But, yeah, uh, like him and Adam Driver are both fantastic actors who really oh, yeah. elevate the movie. And yeah. that definitely wouldn't have been done without Disney, because Lucas likes um, lesser-known actors. Yeah. Except um, in the prequels, he got um, Ian McGregor, but... yeah. And he brought Natalie Portman from a well-known but not super like, or a talented but not like super well-known actress yeah. to like the superstar she is. Yeah, I don't think she would have been in Black Swan without the Star Wars movies. She wouldn't have, you know, won the Oscar for that because mm-hmm. like, didn't she win for V for Vendetta? But she shaved her head. I, <laughs> I could be wrong. No, I, I don't think she got nominated before. Black Swan. I could be wrong. I'm checking that now to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that she is quite talented, but I don't yes. know if... Uh, I think she's still just really... I mean, also brilliant. She went to Harvard and oh, yeah. and all that. Um, uh, one, one Oscar. Her first nomination was for Closer, which was okay. into, uh, which I did not see, but that was in... 20 or 2005 yeah and then um she won for black swan and was nominated for jackie okay um but yeah so without i i wholeheartedly agree or think rather (laughs) that um without these disney buying the star wars movies we wouldn't be in this perpetual state of just like 20 year old sequels slash reboots yeah because force awakens did so well and catered to a the classic fans and B trying to get new fans in by just rehashing why people love it in the first place. So like we talked about this for Ghostbusters Afterlife a couple weeks ago and it just it's it's fan service and that seems to be what people want. And that comes at a price of bad filmmaking. Yes. I think the most egregious example lately was the uh, Space Jam reboot. Oh my god. That was awful. <laughs> yes. That was my uh, my least favorite film of the year. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of people's least favorite film of the year. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not good. No. But like all their studios are just greenlighting a bunch of these sequel slash reboots and I'm just yeah. nervous that they're all going to be the same. Like uh, Indiana Jones 5's in production. We we all know it's going to be a fucking rehash of the original. Um, what else is coming out? Um, or even look at the um, the Star Wars stories films. They were both oh, just yeah. like prequels to the original trilogy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything ties back, for Star Wars, everything ties back to the Skywalkers. Yeah. There's a whole galaxy of other mm-hmm. characters to write about. Do yeah. something new. 
I'm yeah. sick of hearing about Luke. His story is yeah. over. <laughs> yes. I mean, I remember playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and there's just so... The story is fairly formulaic, the plot of that game, but there's so much just world building, and mm-hmm. you could tell thousands of stories just from what they talk about there. And that is, I believe, a thousand years before the trilogy. Yeah. And also, the comics are all really good. They take place... At least the comics going right now all take place between episode four and five. And there's still tons of stories they're telling. Like, there's literally infinite possibilities to tell within this universe. And they just keep going back to what makes money. And yeah. that's not cool. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like 15 years ago or so, indie films were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because they were the ones that were doing all these creative things. So a lot of the big studios just bought up these independent film companies. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of the, that beauty went away, and I think we're hopefully going to start getting that now that we have such incredible distribution via streaming services. I hope so. It's It seems like to me that all the indie films are going like straight to Netflix or straight yeah. to anything, and personally, I don't really find anything on Netflix really worth watching. There's the occasional gem, like Midnight Mass was yeah. fantastic, or like Kate was worth watching. Yeah, I thought but that like, was great. I think straight to streaming stuff is on par with straight to DVD stuff. So, yeah, I think the way that the pandemic has been going, and how you know we're we're not really sure if theaters are going to stay open again because like Omicron is going nuts, yeah. and who knows what's going to happen. Filmmakers want to want their films to play in theaters. A lot of people don't really feel like going to theaters in general, and specifically not right now. Yeah. Um, that I find myself struggling with that. Like, recently, a couple of the movies we've done recently were in theaters only. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want to go see this. Like, it's another blockbuster. It's going to be the same thing. I don't want to go sit there. But then I saw Licorice Pizza the other day, and I was so excited to go see something that wasn't a studio blockbuster. And it was so refreshing to just sit down and watch a nice indie film. Yeah, I'm excited so, to like, see that. It's I think you'll love it. It's really good. And I'm just sick of these big billion-dollar movies. They're all the same. They're all safe as possible. They're all mm-hmm. catered to the audience on a silver platter. Like, I want to think. I want to be challenged. I want to be offended. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and the thing I'm looking forward to most, aside from Licorice Pizza, is a, a Shakespeare adaptation. There's a new version of Macbeth coming out, and I'm excited to see that just because it's like as far from blockbuster as you can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Macbeth is a great—it's dark as hell, but it's a fun—it's a great story. So we've talked about that as a general thing. We're going to take a quick break here and then get into the more specific release of The Matrix Resurrections. Welcome back. As we take a look at The Matrix Resurrections, the 2021 release, it's the fourth film in the Matrix franchise, and it's kind of like a meta-commentary on what we were talking about earlier with studios just remaking things just to get money. Um, It stars Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Yahan Abdul-Mateen II. Yes. Uh, So this is a film that 
So the original came out in 1999. Yes. And then there were two sequels that came out the same year that were produced, uh, I think, back-to-back or five months apart. Was it that soon? I thought um, it was like twenty or 2002 and 2003. 2003. Um, the Reloaded came out um, the 15th for wide release. And Revolutions came out November 5th. So like six months apart. Wow. Um, that was back when that was kind of happening, though. I mean, Lord of the Rings came out one, two, three. They, I... they did yearly yeah. releases. Yeah. And it's cheaper to just produce more than one at the same time because you can reuse sets and just film it as one long movie. So it makes sense yeah. if they know they're going to do a trilogy. I think Pirates of the Caribbean did something similar where they're only like eight or ten months between the releases, I think. I'd have to look that up to be sure. But Maybe between two and three. Lines. Yeah, between two and three, not between um, between the first and the second one. There was some yeah. amount of time. I think it was like three years between the first and then first and second, and the, the third one came out not long after that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, that was just kind of the the thing. There were a bunch of trilogies coming out that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, here we are, twenty years later, and we're getting a fourth film and. WB basically said to the Wachowski siblings, or Wachowski sisters now, that um, they're making it with or without them. So Lana decided to come back as writer and director, and um, Lily... Lily did not. Yeah, she decided not to. And you can definitely feel an absence of one of them, because um, the action is nowhere near as good as the predecessor's. Yeah. And I feel like the script was just not on par with the other three as well. It, it definitely feels like a different voice. This one is trying to, like, trying to be a comedy almost in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's trying its hand at humor that just lands with a thud. Yeah, and that's another thing I think that they took inspiration from modern movies. Like, the Disney effect. Every movie needs, like, funny quips Every movie needs fan service. Yeah. And, like, I respect that um, Lana was kind of leaning into that, like, tongue-in-cheekly. But, like you said, it just lands with a thud. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's David Mitchell, who's a very different writer, uh, one of the screenwriters, and Alexander Hemon, who I'm not familiar with, um, who's from Bosnia, apparently, hmm. and wrote The Lazarus Project, which is a movie that I think... That movie well, bombed. No, I'm thinking of a different, uh, a different Lazarus Project. Oh, okay. There was that American film called The Lazarus Project, which was really bad. But this is a different thing. This is a Bosnian yeah. film. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, um, I, film. I saw this in theaters. I know you watched it at home on HBO, yes. and yeah. I gotta say, I really wish I watched it at home. Um, yeah, I. I really wanted to like Matrix Resurrections, and I liked the first act a bit. I thought it was pretty clever. It got really meta, and yes, I I like meta stuff. So, you know, I, I was yeah. I was having a good time, and then it started becoming the Matrix. Yes, and I lost all interest. There was a couple interesting things in the beginning. Like the first act, I think, was the best part of it. Yes. Uh, I got to about an hour and a half in and just was was done. I just couldn't. I didn't finish this film. Um, it just was not great. 
Um, it's just Keanu, it, yeah. It doesn't. It didn't hook me. Like yeah. once um, Keanu. Spoiler alert. Once Keanu goes back into the Matrix, or gets out of the Matrix, rather, yeah. I lost all interest. It's yeah. like the writing took a huge step down. None of the characters are interesting, and it felt like a cosplay of the original film. Yeah. They literally play the first movie in the background of every scene they're in. A number of scenes, yeah. It's really awkward. Uh, They recast Morpheus for reasons that no one's been able to properly explain to me. I think Morpheus dies in the Matrix computer game. And then in this, um, for plot reasons, he's a new, quote, program. Okay, but... And I'm not complaining because I think Yaya Abdul-Mateen II is a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. But he's just doing this really weird Lawrence Fishburne impression and it's supposed to like kind of going in his own direction. Yeah. But they have very different acting styles. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just so weird seeing him. He he quotes Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus like word yeah. for word a lot of the time. Yeah. And then he like leans back and we see that same scene playing in the background and it's just really jarring it's kind of stupid um i get what lana was trying to do yeah but i think it just comes off as tacky yes i think the the worst recasting is jonathan groff as agent smith that's awful casting i think jonathan groff is a fantastic actor but he is a stage actor who is not an action star. He's as intimidating as like a poodle puppy. Yeah. And having him as this, you know, deadpan, you know, overly masculine British dude. Although um, Hugo Weaving's Australian, he's just doing a like American British accent thing. Hugo Weaving is a much yeah. better actor. Like he's yes. leagues better. I'd say Jonathan Groff is really good on stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy's got two Tony nominations. He's most of his work is on stage. He's quite good at it, and he's still very active in the stage work. He is not intimidating in the slightest. No. Whereas Hugo Weaving, there's a reason why the guy, why the the heroes are running from him. Yes. Why they think Neo is crazy when he goes to fight Smith. Even though, I mean, even without all of the, like, no one's ever fought an agent and won, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to know anything about the world to know that this guy's not a guy to mess with. Yeah, like, in the first scene, you meet Smith in the the original film. Like, you're scared. You learn everything you need to know about him in that one scene. And in this, in, in Resurrections, I just felt like they never gave him that scene. He's just, like, another computer program. Yeah, because that scene that was almost remade word for word in this movie and they have Yahya play, or standing in for Smith at that point in time. And mm-hmm. he's intimidated. I mean, he was Candyman in the new Candyman. Like he's, yes. he's scary. But Jonathan Groff is not. No matter how hard he tries, he's just not going to be scary. Yeah. But it's like, a, like, even the, the big thing with this is like, Lana makes it a plot point that literally WB was going to make all right let me backtrack a little yeah so neo's character in this is a computer programmer who works for a company whose parent company is none other than warner brothers so she lana gets really meta with it and straight up says okay they want us to make binary four and they're going to do it with or without us binary is the computer game that neo invented and got famous off of 
And so that's clearly a big commentary on like the production behind the movie. And then like that's really interesting. I like that meta aspect. And then it yes. just like The Force Awakens, it becomes essentially a remake of the original film. And yes. it doesn't really have anything to say about that. It just does the original film. It yeah, it's Ghostbusters was the same way. Ghostbusters has this awesome setup that feels very unique and fresh and then just is a remake of the first mm-hmm. film. And the thing with all these movies is we always get halfway through a new movie yeah. and the studio gets cold feet and is like, okay, just remake the original. Yeah, and that's always the stuff that people complain about. Yes. And you think after, how long goes Force Awakens? Five, six years? You think after yeah. six years they would take the hit. Yeah. It's it, it's insane. And I've just looked this up. Uh Hugo Weaving is like six foot three, and um, Jonathan Groff is like five ten, and oh, like even those like, those six inches make a difference. Yeah, they really do. And they, I mean, the film does shoot Groff to be as tall as he can look, but yeah, like but like Jonathan, you can yeah. you can still see that something's off. Yes, and his voice is just much softer and not nearly as deep as Hugo Weaving, and he just like it's not good casting. And Hugo Weaving had that thing where he'd be like Mr. Anderson, yeah. like peep. That's memorable. People still yeah. say that shit all the time. Yeah. And Jonathan Groff, he, the, when he says it, it, just feels like a bad reenactment. It feels like bad cosplay. Yeah. I mean, he's probably well known, best known for Frozen or for Hamilton right now. And yeah. In Hamilton, he plays the villain, but he's a very goofy villain. Yeah. He comes on and sings a couple Beatlesy songs, and that's it. He's not an action star, and it's just, it doesn't work. This um, movie, yeah. to me, it doesn't really feel like an action movie, because the action is shot so <laughs> poorly. Um, yes. In the original trilogies, you can see everything happening, mm-hmm. and it's fast-paced, but it's shot far enough away to where you can process it. And every in this one, everything's so close up. It's camera shaking. It's always moving. I feel like all the action sequences just went in one eye and out the other. Yeah. The, also, the effects are bad. They're bad. The, and, I mean, but, the effects of the original still hold up. Yeah, because it's mostly practical. And the yeah. thing with all these new movies, regardless of if they're a remake or not, is too much CGI. Yeah. W- watch any movie in five years and it's going to look like shit. It's it's really really bad and like I was just watching like this movie looks worse than the original, which came out twenty two years ago. Yeah, if I didn't go see this with my friend, I would have walked out of the theater. Yeah, but he was really into it, so yeah. I mean, if people like it, good for them. Like, it's not you know unwatchable. I just don't think it's very good. I think it's unwatchable. I do like how they got Christina Ricci to basically like play the studio exec and yeah. kind of make them. I like seeing her pop up in things. Yeah, she's good. Um, and she kind of gets to like be the studio exec and say, well, we're going to make this. And uh, you know, all the fans want originality and creativity, so let's get to work on Binary 4, which I thought was a funny line mm-hmm. in a not very funny movie. Yeah. And I wish they leaned more into that aspect. Like, yeah. It's bad when you're more interested in things other than The Matrix in a Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is Jada Pinkett Smith. Like oh God. her character is, she's playing the same character, but 60 years in the future. Yeah. And she's in this awful old lady makeup and whatever yeah. accent she's doing. is just so bad. Like, 
I, I honestly can't really think of any redeeming qualities of this movie outside of Act 1. Same. And the problem with Act 1 is that it's basically the same plot as Free Guy, and Free Guy got the joke and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't overstay its welcome and was just fun. And that, it, like, it's, sad. <laughs> it's sad when a Free Guy is a more entertaining movie than The Matrix. Yes. And, like, my, my response, even though I, I think I told you about this, is, like, Lana Wachowski must be kicking herself that Free Guy came out earlier this year. Because yeah. it covers all the same ideas and just does it in a more entertaining way. To the mm-hmm. point where there are characters that are basically exactly the same. Yeah. It's essentially the same film. Yeah. I mean, more or less, yes. Because there are people who are, exist in both The Matrix and The Real World. The Real World isn't this, like, you know, horrible hellhole. Mm-hmm. Um but also, like, the, the makeup being that bad is inexcusable because the Wachowskis made Cloud Atlas, which, no matter what you say about it, had really, really good old and young age makeup. Yeah, and that's a sci-fi movie done right. Yes. I legitimately love that movie. I know I you and I are both in yeah. the minority for that. Yeah, I but... love that movie, and I think that holds up a lot better than this will. Yeah, I'd rather watch Cloud Atlas than Matrix Resurrection. Yeah, even though Cloud Atlas is, again, just a lot of philosophy for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's only a little bit of action in that. And it's it's three hours long and is very mm-hmm. confusing if you're not paying attention. And I yes. think it's genius. But The Matrix, at least as far as the original goes, mm-hmm. is very philosophical too. And that's why yes. it was so groundbreaking at the time. Because it's this yeah. big budget action film that had something to say. It's... Yeah. And then this one is a big-budget action movie that doesn't really say anything. Which is, I think, a huge shame. I have a feeling this might be part of why uh, Lily walked off, but the original film has been admitted to by both of the sisters to be a trans allegory because they're already struggling with that at that point in time. And that's very evident in Reloaded as well. Yes, and I think uh, the studio is still a little bit too afraid to get into that, even though trans rights are a much more readily accepted thing now yes um you know hopefully that continues to be the case but it would be really nice to have that there was even a character in the original uh switch yes. who was originally supposed to be male in the real world and female in the matrix but i don't for whatever reason i don't know why they couldn't sh- make that work i'm sure the studio cut it yeah which sucks unfortunately that would have been a really co- i mean it may not have played well then but i think it would really play well now yeah it would have aged really well yeah especially with the directors both you know coming out as trans mm-hmm. and transitioning yes uh, anyway i've got nothing else to say this movie is not very good i wouldn't recommend it yeah. The trend is not very good. I wouldn't recommend it. Agreed. I'm at the point where every studio movie I just kind of brush off, except the Marvel stuff because I can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it, it happened a couple times this year. The, I didn't like Resurrections. I didn't like Ghostbusters. I didn't like... Um, Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> Candyman was, like, half good. I um, liked Candyman, but I think I liked the ideas because it, it did... The part of Candyman I don't like is the end. Yeah. And I think everything up until that is really good. And there's yeah. just, there's clearly some stuff missing from that. Yes. But, like, overall, if it's a remake slash sequel that nobody asked for, um, chances are I'm not going to like it. I think yeah. I've come to that conclusion. Um, yeah. Um, I I, I want to oh, say Halloween I hated too. this movie. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I don't I don't care about enough to hate it is the thing. Like, I nothing this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I mean, Halloween was was kind of like that too. I think that the the first Halloween remake is not bad. The new one is inexcusably bad. I like the new one more than the remake. Even with the stupid, uh, the idiotic town mob that confuses um, the penguin with Michael Myers. <laughs> That's the only part that I like less. I th- <laughs> this is completely different topic, but I'll give my quick Halloween review. Um, it's not good, but the kills make it watchable. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, um, but that's all I got for the yeah. Matrix. I just skip it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I got uh, nothing else to say. Uh, do you have anything planned for next week? I don't think anything comes out this week. I think it's an off week, okay. but we'll, we'll talk. I mean, I am interested in, in seeing uh, uh, licorice pizza, so we might. We do could an do that. On that. Yeah, um, if you end up seeing it, I would love to talk about that. I don't know what to pair it with. Maybe yeah. super bad. That or um, is it? Isn't it about a writer? Vaguely. Oh, okay. He's like a good... child actor, but okay. he, they, we could they... finally um, get uh, almost famous. But oh yeah, um, yeah, we'll talk. Um, but I, I recommend seeing Licorice Pizza. Well, um, thank you for joining us at The Crossroads, and thank you for listening.